The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. Welcome back to another episode of the Rod and Staff podcast. I am your host, Roger, along with my co-host, Jason, and we are going to continue our series on the scriptures. We began last week, uh, or last episode, talking through the London Baptist Confession, looking at chapter one about the scriptures, and went through the first four articles um, discussing um, the importance of the scriptures, the authority of the scriptures, and uh, looking at the, how the London Baptist Confession helps us understand uh, the Word of God, uh, the only objective truth that doesn't change that we have today in a world that is constantly changing and where uh, the thinking of the day rules. Uh, we as believers go back to our ancient text that still guides us and leads us today, uh, not only for salvation, but for all of our life. So we found or uh, thought that this series would be important to see how the confessions can help us understand uh, the scriptures uh, from all different angles. Uh, so we're going to continue with that today. Um, and uh, Jason, if you want to kick us off reading the next article and let's uh, get into Let's do discussion. it. So this is uh, London Baptist Confession, Chapter 1 on Holy Scriptures, the Holy Scriptures, and Article 5. It says, The testimony of the Church of God may stir and persuade us to adopt a high and reverent respect for the Holy Scriptures. Moreover, the heavenliness of the contents, the power of the system of truth, the majesty of the style, the harmony of all the parts, the central focus on giving all glory to God, the full revelation of the only way of salvation, and many other incomparable qualities and complete perfections all provide abundant evidence that the scriptures are the word of God. Even so, our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority of the scriptures comes from the internal work of of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness by and with the Word in our hearts. That is a rich <laughs> statement. Isn't it? It's fantastic. Yeah. I expect your sermons to start sounding like that statement. Oh, great. <laughs> with all the nuances of how they bring out the thoughts on the Word of God. But let's break this down, even starting uh, with the first sentence of how they talk about the testimony of the church is stirring or may stir and persuade us to adopt a high and reverent respect for the Holy Scriptures. What do you think they mean by that of the testimony of the church of God? I, I think one of the things that uh, may be referred to here is seeing the effectiveness of the Word of God in the life of believers throughout history, kind of this testimony of the church of God and how it's impacted the church of God and also the teaching of the church of God. Mm -hmm. I think that's what it's referring to as well. The teaching of the church about the word of God uh, could be used. And I think often is used to stir up this reverence and uh, high view of the scriptures. 
Yeah, and we see that there is still a reverence for Scripture today. It may not be opened, but people, <laughs> you know, if you're if you're in a court of law, you put your hand on the Bible. Yeah, you know, or you see a Bible at somebody's home. There's a reverence for it as something. It, it, it's a book. There's something about it. Definitely. I mean, you and I know we're in the Armenian mm-hmm. ethnic community and all Armenians believe they're Christians mm-hmm. and almost every Armenian has a Bible in their home. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like you said, I don't know if they've ever opened it, but that's a different story, mm-hmm. uh, but they have a reverence for it. So yeah. I, I remember uh, seeing some people um, again who maybe were new to our church and some of the kids were sitting and we were doing Bible study and I think I placed my Bible because I was sitting with them. I placed it on the ground and the look on their faces they had never opened the Bible, but they knew it's not supposed to be on the ground. <laughs> so they, they had learned that they were, they needed to have a high view of that book. Now they thought it was the physical book itself, yeah. I think. But um, so, yeah. That reminded me of a story at a, a local church where there was that visiting pastor and he was trying to make the point of, you know, the book doesn't have anything something about it it's it's it, what its contents are but in the middle of his message he just threw his bible down the aisle way oh no <laughs> and somebody asked him well, what do you do what was that all about what are you doing he's like don't don't worry that was just my throwing bible <laughs> that's <laughs> funny <laughs> he's trying to make the point that it, it, it's not this this book but but we have seen that even in as we think about the apostolic church yeah they walk around with the Bible, holding the Bible with this awe and reverence toward it. And that does shape the way those who are attending view the book where they do view it as with reverence and respect to it. Um, And that's a good thing. It it, absolutely. It's just, it would be great if we can take that reverence and say, do you, the contents of the Bible are, are what you want to, uh, I remember R.C. Sproul talked about that with regard to um, just even walking into a cathedral versus walking into kind of a Protestant church these days. <laughs> he yeah. said, you know, there's this this reverence, this majesty that you would experience versus what we kind of, uh, you know, the plainness of, of some Protestant churches. And he, he was commenting that maybe we've lost something. Yeah. Um, but in, in that same vein, we're looking here, yeah, the, the testimony of the church and the way the, the church treats the word of God does impact those who are uh, listening to the church. Yeah. I used to like uh, how a previous church I was at, the pastor would always make the point you know, when he would say, you know, turn to the scriptures and he would say, I want to hear the pages turn. Mm-hmm. I want to hear them. And, and it was just great. It was just that sense of we're all coming before the word of God Yeah, and, and we're, we're looking at it, uh, doesn't Joel Osteen do that too? He lifts up his Bible before every sermon. He says something about it. I don't know. This is the word of God something. Are you listening to Joel Osteen's oh, no. on the no. weekend? It's the stuff you send me all the time. Come on. Uh, no, I think he does. I, I think I have seen that before. Uh, okay. Well, they, they move into this statement, this very full sentence. Yeah. Uh, of it and it just it just struck me the word choices that they used yeah to describe because in a sense they're moving from yes we see the word of god the testimony of the church is stirring us and persuading us that that it's something more than just a book but how do we know it's true yeah what's taking us from viewing it just as a book to being the holy scriptures the word of god and they're describing something about it before talking about how 
now our hearts see it differently. Yeah. It's interesting. So the, the sentence ends with all provide abundant evidence that the scriptures are mm-hmm. the word of God. Yeah. And, th- and that makes you think back to, okay, what have they just said? What is this evidence? Yeah. And they're, they, they give full, uh, you know, a really wonderful description here. The heavenliness, mm-hmm. heavenliness of the contents. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you, you have a famous moments in church history, like Augustine picks up the Bible and reads at some point, and, and he says he just knew it was the word of God. Yeah. And there's something glorious and heavenly about the contents. You know, obviously they're focused on spiritual things, so they're heavenly in that regard. The power of the system of truth. Hmm. What do you make of that one? I think even if thinking that today, the power of the truth that it's conveying mm-hmm how it talks about who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's powerful how it describes mankind's biggest problem, how it talks about the Savior, how it talks about God working in the world from the beginning to the end. Yeah, It just describes all about our lives. It answers the questions that are all ingrained in our heart from birth. It answers the questions and has the power to change us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, it's different than any other book. Yeah, this book has we have seen throughout history. It has changed lives, and it's this truth that we I think we talked about in the last episode. It is consistent. It's unchanging, mm-hmm. and it's changed. It changes us. It has power. So I like the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, sorry, the one after that. Um, it's okay. Skip the majesty of the style because I don't know if I'm sure what what they mean exactly by that. I mean, I think they just mean that it's it really is majestic in terms yeah. of all these parts that come together. I mean, if you think about the beauty yeah. of the holy scriptures, and I'm not talking about the physical beauty, obviously, but the the beauty of uh, the, the the beauty and wisdom of God that's seen in the scriptures, the poetic passages, the historical, yeah. all of it coming together. Um, which I think is the next point that, that you want to focus on. Yeah, well, they talk about the harmony of all the parts. Yeah. And isn't there that that question, well, doesn't the Bible contradict itself? Uh, no. Is that a fair enough answer? No. We're done. We can yeah. end this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's talking about how the harmony of all of its parts, of all the Scripture, that the Scriptures are a unit together. It's not, we just look at one book. We don't find our favorite book and just spend all of our time. Scripture has a harmony to it. It has a storyline to it. It's leading us. And all those parts are important to give us a full understanding. Um, Even though at times it's hard to understand how those parts fit in. Sure. Sure. But like you said, there's this one narrative, one story from Genesis to revelation and there is no contradiction. The, this harmony is so glorious that you you get your mind is blown when you think about the fact that something that's written thirty five hundred years ago, and then something that was written you know two thousand years ago, have this perfect harmony, this perfect correlation. They're teaching the same thing, and not in these, not always in these explicit ways that it's like yeah. oh they're intentionally doing that, but even in in these implicit implied ways Mm -hmm. that just, you can't believe it when you see how the tabernacle and the temple are pointing to Christ. And then the book of revelation gives you this, this 
eschatological view that really requires you to understand the Old Testament, you can't help but go, this is God's word. Yeah. Sorry, I got excited. No, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we don't we don't just see it. It's not just writing. It it, it changes us. It changes yeah. our view, our desires, and our heart for it. We we want more, and we see it for what it is. Amen. Leading us to the central focus on giving all glory to God. It's not about us. It, it's the most in-your-face book that exists today. <laughs> yeah. It just tells you straight out. It's not about you. Yeah. It's about God. That's right. That's right. right. And and seeing the beauty and the glory and the harmony and the majesty and all those things actually increases your view of God and and kind of decreases us and our yeah. view of ourselves. It humbles us before the majesty of the word of God. So even the style and the harmony actually cause us to give all glory to God, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I I find fascinating. Next statement about the full revelation of the only way of salvation. They're very, they're very precise, and that's what's great about how, how, how this is written. Yeah. The only way to salvation. The full revelation is not the part of it. It's all of it. Yeah. It leads us to the only Savior. It, it, you know, um, when, you, when you think about the fact that the scriptures, the, the teaching of the Holy Scriptures is so different than every other religion, every mm-hmm. other philosophy, every other way of life, because it's all about grace. And it's all what Christ has accomplished, what God accomplishes in Christ for us, mm-hmm. rather than how we can do something to accomplish or yeah. merit, etc. And that does point to it being a unique and glorious and heavenly book. I think a lot of time people fall into the trap of making it a book of morality. Mm-hmm. We see that in the secular uh, uh, look at the books of seeing it just as, as literature yeah. or just seeing the book as, yeah, there's good principles in there. There's good morality that we could live by. Mm-hmm. Not seeing it for what it is truly talking about, that you aren't moral, <laughs> that you try and you keep failing. And let me show you examples from the beginning in Genesis. You see the heart of man is wicked all the time and all of the depravity you see throughout the Bible, even in the best of people, you see their hearts coming out and you see the fallen nature of man. And it's in your faith reality, yeah. which which helps us to see it as teaching us that we cannot do it on our own we are not right on our own we need a savior and if we if you miss that then you miss the entire uh, story of of god's word and and that that also helps us um to to distinguish christianity when we're talking to people who say well all religions are the same yeah you know they're all the they're all they're all more morally based they're all trying to get you to be better people yeah you know, come on, Christianity and these other religions are all the same. So why can't we just get along, coexist, you know, that bumper sticker, right? Yeah. But here, even in just a statement about the word of God, they make it clear that it's different because it's the full revelation of the only way of salvation. Yeah. Uh, that's part of its uniqueness. That's part of the one of the evidences for its being the word of God. And I think you're going to have to fill in the next section of what they meant. 
of the many other incomparable qualities and complete perfection. <laughs> they just wanted to say everything else. <laughs> I think they just, they're trying to say, look, we we know there's, they already explained you know, they have this expansive statement and it's majestic in its own right, you know, what they've said, but they're like, and any other good thing yeah. that you can think about or say about the scriptures, anything else that jumps out from the word of God that helps you to go, that must be, you know, like I think about the, the centurion who's yeah. watching Jesus crucified and he sees all that's going on. And he says, this, this must've been, this, this was the son of God. Mm-hmm. You're like, whoa, right? So they're saying, yeah, there's all these things, all these evidences, all these marks yeah. that can be evidences and people can make all these arguments. The other things that can be brought up, by the way, um, Roger, are all the historical things. You know, we could show manuscript evidence for transmission and the trust that we can put in the scriptures that we have and all the, I think it's saying anything else that you can add, uh, they, they provide, fine, this great evidence that the scriptures are the word of God. But they want to get to that next point. Yeah, yeah, and they and they talk about how it gives abundance evidence that the scriptures are the word of God, mm-hmm. and then continuing our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority of the scripture comes from the internal work of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. Yeah. I, I think the point there is all, no matter how many evidences we have, it's not the evidence. These, those external things, those, those are not going to be what finally and fully persuades us to trust this as the word of God. The Holy spirit must do work inside of us. We can be persuaded mentally, intellectually, yeah. but until our hearts are changed, we will never submit to and delight in the word of God um, for what they, for what the scriptures really are. So how do you respond to the argument that the Mormons will, will say, go home and, and read over the book of Mormon and you're just going to know it in your heart that it's true. And you'll hear many testimonies that that's what they did. And they go home, they read and they just believe it's true in their heart and that and that's their their argument yeah. do you th- you know could you could you say well are, are we saying the same thing like why 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 would the scriptures be different then i i think the difference is the internal and the external both match mm. that's good they have to both match um and the internal witness of the spirit isn't despite what the external signs and you know all these other things it's it's along with and that's why it says even so our full persuasion and assurance comes from this work. And, and so I think you, you, if they don't, and that's one of the things that we do when we're looking at apologetics, you know, you're they're looking at the, um, the book of Mormon and, and, and their view of the scriptures and things. We will show why they don't have the signs mm. externally. They don't have the marks. Uh, you, you can maybe have a burning in your bosom all you want, but yeah. if the, if the thing objectively itself yeah. is full of contradictions and, and, and historically not attested and all those things, then it's not true. Uh, that's why Christianity, biblical Christianity is the only one that really uh, puts itself out there and says, yes, we are grounded in this historical truth yeah. of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
without which there is no Christianity. Um, so the external and the internal both, I think, match. Yeah, and it also brings out that this is something that's working in the heart, that God is working in the heart. It's not you believe it just because you're told this is true, mm-hmm. right? It's not, okay, I grew up believing that this was God's word. It's true, you may have been taught that, but there's an internal work that's confirming, that's opening up your heart to see this for what for for what it truly is, is God's word. It's so interesting. That's another whole study we, we can do on the testimony of the spirit. Um, we also talk about the self-authenticating nature of scripture. Mm-hmm. And and there's the other, the verse that comes to my mind, I think I mentioned in the last episode, you know, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Um, you There's something inside of you that allows you to see and know yeah. that it's the voice of the father. Even if you can prove the voice of the, the shepherd, even if you could prove in other ways, yes, look, it is Jesus speaking. I see his mouth moving. I, I know how tall he is. All the, you know, all these other things I, I see there's those things, but there's also this internal awareness that that is my shepherd mm. and I follow him. So when you look back at your life, do you see a particular time or a process where you came to the conviction that this is God's word? I mean, growing up in a, in a yeah. pastor's home, that was your life, right? You always saw the scriptures, but do you, do you ever have a time where you felt, you know, the Lord had opened up your heart in a, in a different way? You know, it's so interesting having grown up in a Christian home, and I do believe I came to faith pretty young, mm-hmm. I mean, very early on there was always this awareness and recognition. This is truth. This is God's truth. And I need to submit to it. Mm. Um, I can't pinpoint any particular time. I think it just deepened and deepened and deepened as I grew up. I, I, I want to say I, I may have wrestled a little bit with it in my teenage years, yeah. but even then I, when I was not doing what it said. I knew I wasn't doing what it said. And I, you know, <laughs> but how about with you? I mean, cause you came to faith later in life. Mm-hmm. Did you, can you recall a, a moment where you kind of, Whoa, this, this is God's word. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, growing up, you know, I, I was going to the Catholic church and mm-hmm. I don't remember really opening it other than I'd open it and be like, what is this about? It makes no sense. And so there was no real teaching, learned a little here and there. But I think I had, there were points where I remember where I didn't think it was true. I thought, if God is like this, this Mm. isn't a God I want to worship. What is this God like? And it was just hearing teaching and seeing, you know, and and not understanding. Sure. Um, And there was a period of time where it was like, well, it doesn't match with, with, my thinking of the time, my desires and all that. So I rejected it, but it wasn't till, you know, it it was the Lord working on my heart to, to show me to actually read it for myself Mm. and to open it up and to have others who are making an apologetic for, is it reasonable to believe this could be true? Yeah. And the connection and all those things coming together at once, it was, you know, if I'm going to believe this, I need to know what it means or what it says. Yeah. So I just read through the whole thing. I'm like, I want to know what is in this book before I could truly believe. And there was a period of time where it was the understanding that I am a sinner and I need a savior, that it was like, this is 
God's word. I, I don't know that, you know, I know the, the, that, that day I, uh, you know, bowed my knee to the Lord and said, I'm following you for the rest of my life. I remember that night. Yeah. Um, like it was yesterday. Wow. Um, and, but it was just seeing him work in, and, and what I, what I, uh, uh, love about the Lord is his patience. Hmm. Because it's so rebellious, so not wanting to believe and living apart from it and and even putting it down in many ways of, of what it taught. Yeah. But just gently showing you, no, this is it. And then, you know, I, I knew something changed when I was when I wanted to read more and understand. And I remember the first time thinking, what in the world does it mean to be saved? What, mm. Where do you get that from? Yeah. I'm like, I want to see this scripture. I was going to a church. And I'm like. But I want to know. I, show me. Yeah, yeah. Show me where, where are these scriptures and that hunger was uh, yeah. uh, occurred. But, you know, I, I know it's a little bit off topic, but, you know, sometimes I get very jealous of uh, those of you who came <laughs> to faith later in life. Now, I know there's also blessing, huge blessing in, in being raised in the, yeah. in the faith and uh, coming to faith at a young age. But, uh, you know, to be able to remember that transformation of when you didn't really believe that this was the word of God to when you were convinced and humbled yourself before it, uh, is, is pretty cool. Yeah. Especially when people in your family are like, you're, you're a Jesus freak now and you're following, (laughs) you're following religion. What happened in your life? What went wrong? What went wrong? (laughs) Tell me, tell me what's going on. Something happened. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, Fascinating. Yeah. Well, um, should we start the next article? I, I'm a little worried. We, we don't have a lot of time to go to the next one. Well, let's start it and then we'll pick it up. Yeah, we'll definitely have to pick it up, but we'll give a, so, a teaser. Okay. So article six says the whole counsel of God concerning everything essential for his own glory and man's salvation, faith, and life is either explicitly stated or by necessary inference contained in the Holy Scriptures. Nothing is ever to be added to the Scriptures, either by new revelation of the Spirit or by human traditions. I think I'm going to stop there. It's the halfway through the, <laughs> the paragraph. What do you think? Yeah, that's good. good okay. <laughs> so the whole counsel of God uh, concerning all those essential things for man's salvation, faith, and life, and I like the two, we'll get to that, but the two parts are either explicitly stated or by necessary inference are in the scriptures. What, mm-hmm. what, what do you think they're referring to by the, this idea of the things that are essential there? I think they're, well, they're talking about the sufficiency of scripture. So they're mm-hmm. starting to get into that, mm-hmm. but they're looking at what's essential to know God and to know salvation. That's absolutely essential. Uh, uh, including our faith and the life that we're walking with the Lord, uh, all, all that we need as, as you know, even second, I think it's second Peter, all that we need for life and godliness mm-hmm. is contained in the scripture that the scripture has everything we need as believers to know the Lord and to walk with the Lord. So there's no like secret levels of Christianity that we have to reach so that we can find out the real, un- uncover the secrets, the hidden secrets. I think that was Gnosticism. Oh, that's something different. <laughs> oh, okay, that, that's not what we believe. Okay, good. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's all there. All that we need, the Lord has spoken to us. Yeah. He's given to us. 
And, and I like the way they break it down, you know, his own glory and man's salvation, faith, and life. Uh, that's what we need. Now, it doesn't say all that we need with regard to chemistry mm-hmm. or biology or, you know, mm-hmm. it, let's not let's not say the scriptures are, uh, you know, the, all the textbooks that we'll ever need to just yeah. kind of live whatever. But in terms of uh, what we need for eternal purposes, it's all there. And mm-hmm. the scriptures are sufficient for that. Which is actually important, Roger, because sufficiency of Scripture plays a, a significant role in the biblical counseling mm-hmm. uh, kind of movement and, and also in biblical counseling itself. Can you just briefly speak to that? Yeah. Um, thinking through how the sufficiency or thinking about the sufficiency of Scripture is so important because what we're talking about biblical counseling is how to connect the Scriptures back to your life. How do the Scriptures address the difficulties and problems that we find in our life? And when we think about that, you're, you have to understand how they are sufficient because sufficiency is not just talk is not talking about explicitly talking about every single idea that we can wrestle or struggle with in life. But I like to use the word framework. It's giving Mm. us a framework to understand ourselves as, as broken and sinful people and redeemed people and gives us an understanding of what the solutions are. And so, yeah, we, we should talk about sufficiency more yes. and bring out because it's such an important concept for understanding um, how we are to apply the scriptures to our lives because it gives us great hope. Mm. What you believe about sufficiency is going to direct where you go for your help. Because there are competing worldviews, and a lot of believers go to different worldviews for help and hope because Mm -hmm. they don't understand or maybe have never been shown that the scriptures actually address the problem. But it doesn't say this is how, you know, here's the five steps. No, it, it gives an understanding of what's going on internally inside of us and how we are to uh, apply. So it's a huge conversation. Yeah. So it's it's not it's not explicit as in, you know, you can uh, go look up in the table of contents, hey, where is OCD and so we can right. address it. <clears throat> but there are truths, this framework of thinking, this reality uh, taught in scripture uh, and these principles and things that will address those types of things and and the solution, the remedy for healing mm-hmm. in Christ. Really important and we do need to talk more about that. I know uh, we're probably getting to the end of this, but I, I don't want to miss out on one thing here. Yeah. The idea that it's either explicitly stated or I like this language by necessary inference contained in the Holy scriptures. One of the reasons they're saying that I believe is that they're saying there's also the place for, let's say something like systematic theology mm-hmm. or understanding not just these explicit words, the word Trinity is never used in the Holy scriptures, but we had better believe the Trinity is in the Holy scriptures (laughs) by a necessary inference. Um, There's a lot of things that are maybe not explicit statements, but by, and I like the language necessary Mm -hmm. inference. It's not just, you know, probable or no, no necessary inference. And, and that's something that we uh, we can probably explore uh, next time as well. But it's a really important point. Yeah, and I think we should also add just this last statement. Mm-hmm. 
that nothing is ever to be yeah. added to the scriptures, either by new revelation of the spirit or by human traditions. I think as you know, in, in our context, we'll, we'll probably say that first part is it's fine. You mm-hmm. know, we're not we're not wrestling. Well, is this a new revelation of the spirit? Right. You're not giving us a new prophetic word right. on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, try not to. But human traditions are tricky. Yep. And they can be subtle and they can become a tradition without us even realizing it's a tradition. Yeah. And traditions don't uh, change very quickly or often. And we want to guard ourselves uh, uh, through that. But when you when you think about human traditions and, and think about how that can affect mm. um, the scriptures and how we're, we're living our lives, you, do you ever uh, find yourself... Uh, you know, wanting to caution against something becoming a tradition because we're always doing it the Absolutely. same way. Yeah, it's, there's always the danger. I, I love the fact that with our elders, you know, almost, I mean, except for pandemic year, maybe we didn't do it. But every year we like to go on a retreat and yeah. put everything on the table, everything we're doing as a church and go, okay, what are the things that God wants us to be doing through his word made explicit to us or made yeah. clear to us, right? Um, there's some things that we must do as a church and there are other things that we've added and we don't want them to become a human tradition. We want them to be from God's word, a whole other conversation on that as well. You know, I I wanted to mention this Roger, before we wrap up, um, if people want to get a a copy of the London Baptist confession for themselves, I think it'd be Mm -hmm. great. Maybe what we can do is put on our website, roddenstaff.org, uh, a link to um, different versions. I mean, this the one that we like to use is one that's in modern English. It's uh, found on a founders.org website. Um, we also have some at church for those from our church family that can come by and we can uh, hand those out. They're only $150 a piece. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we'll give them to you free. They're paperback little books that are really helpful if you want to pick that up. Um, maybe we'll put a link on the website. Yeah, definitely. I'll put it in the show notes also oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, so that you can see uh, and get a copy for yourself or reach out to us by email if you're not local and you want us to. Yeah, we'll send we'll, it to you. Yeah, we'll send you a copy. Yeah. But we hope you uh, enjoyed this conversation. If you do have any questions or comments, uh, you know, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you and hope that you'll continue to listen in during the series and important topic that we're talking about the scriptures. And we will see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff Podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the hosts with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodnstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.